Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk cheese. Recorded live. Well, hello. It is Mike again. My man's ready to find it. I found it my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his word. And we have been going to do another Bible study with uh, Larry Phillips. He agreed to go over Romans 8. I feel prompted to go over it. Um, and um, yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't mind mentioning what we mentioned earlier because I think it might be a, some sort of it could be edifying for others. Oh, yeah. Uh, um Maybe not. Maybe just for me, and I just need to. But you know, we were talking about our last study. We read out of Ephesians. Well, did we read out of Ephesians five? No, or did I can't remember? Did we just do six? I think we just did six. Just, just six. Yeah, but I noticed you did read out of it with your guest, which I thought was good. Yeah, and reading out of it is kind of like, kind of hit me like a ton of bricks here. Um, it says here. Well, we'll just. Let's just go. Oh, um, uh, where do we go here? Uh, I'll start where I started last time's show. Uh, I wish you could go further. I don't know. <laughs> it's such a good chapter. Anyways, uh, first four goes, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, nor rather giving of thanks. For this, you know, that no homemonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, but because, excuse me, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But in all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, what for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Uh, wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, Christ shall give thee light. And see the, then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. 
Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And uh goes on. Maybe you can do more and more and more. You know, be not drunk with the wine or any in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But anyways, um, the fact of the matter is, uh, well, no, it's actually here. Speaking unto yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. It goes on about wives and husbands and etc. But the biggest point that I wanted to point out is for it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we did that show with the uh, well, I did that show with William Ramsey, and then we started talking about Aleister Crowley and all these other wicked men. They're doing things in the secret, and I'm just wondering: is it really? Are we, am I uh, missing the point here? That maybe we should, I uh, should I be, or should we be just at this point just focused on Christ and Christ alone, and not in the fact of all this wickedness in the world because it's. It's, been, it's come, to, you know. I've become very good at finding the wickedness of this world. It's not very hard, actually, once it kind of opens your eyes. And there's a lot of people out there pointing to the wickedness, whether it's uh, the Olympics and other satanic symbology and Luciferian symbology, and, and uh, singing all these pagan songs and praising to all their gods, except for the one true and living God, or the <laughs> and I mean, you're not going to hear anything in those, whether it's the Olympics or the the national, uh, the uh, like uh, the uh, the Super Bowl or the Emmys or whatever, anything, any anything about our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. I mean, at this point, at what point is it is not is it at what point is there enough of an F of message? I guess my point is, after I got done talking to William, and I could blame William for it, I'm going to blame my own self for it. I felt pretty dirty afterwards. I felt really kind of gross and and dirty just learning about how wicked all these these men are, whether it's Aleister Crowley or Hubbard or Kinsey or you know Jack Parsons or. <clears throat> Kenneth Anger, and it just goes on and on and on. And, uh, I, I mean, it's you just, it, I guess it's, you were talking about balance, and what is balance at this point? <laughs> well, it's a good question. I mean, I've, I had the same kind of feelings when I was, you know, speaking out against the Roman Catholic Church and the Jesuits and the and the Zionists and the international banking Jews and all that stuff. And I, I used to spend quite a bit of time, you know, especially uh, coming against Rome and and its doctrine, you know, because Romans' doctrine, you know, really when you start talking about it, it's really if you think about if you think about Roman Catholicism, um, it's it's paganism. It's it's Babylonian worship. It's also sun worship. It's it's worshiping the dead. It's 
you know, it, the mass is a is a bloody mass. <clears throat> it's it's promoting purgatory. It's 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 praying to Mary and praying to the saints, necromancy, and and um, you know, so it it includes you know a lot of the pagan gods, uh, Ashtaroth and the sun god and Saturn and, <laughs> and false gods and. And so it's many gods. It's not, and so they have a label. They put Christian over there, you know. But they're, they're the furthest thing from Christian. So the same thing used to happen to me. And finally, I got to the point where I thought, you know, I can. In an hour, I can expose the Roman Catholic Church for what it is, which is neo paganism, basically. And so I don't need to spend, you know, I don't need to spend an inordinate amount of time on it going over and over and over the same thing. <clears throat> it's okay to expose false doctrine. We're we're told to exhort and rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. And um so I, I think the answer to your question on balance is that it's we're you know, I think we are to expose false teaching and false doctrine, but I think that you can go overboard on it and make it, you know, and some ministries, that's the whole crux of their ministries, exposing this, exposing that, exposing the other. And they never exalt Christ. You never hear them talking about the gospel. So I think you bring up a really good point. Well, yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, that that break I took from my show, Yeah, and, I, and it was very therapeutic and one of the things was is I stopped focusing on all the things that are wrong with this world. <laughs> and of course now I'm back into doing it again and I just like yeah. I rather you know at this point I kind of like to just hide in Christ. I really yeah. do. I just want to hide in Christ. And I don't know if that makes any sense but I'm really not interested it's in all the sense in the world. <laughs> and that only uh, makes sense to God's people. I mean it doesn't make any sense to those who are outside of Christ, but it makes all the sense in the world. And I think Brother Walt went through the same thing. I mean, he did that broadcast with Chris, Brother Chris, on Galatians, and then he hasn't broadcast since, as far as I know. And because he he told me, he said, Nat brought my boat when he started reading through Galatians and saw, saw that anything that isn't of faith is is of the law, is, a, is bringing people back under the old law service. And so uh, I think that all of God's elect go through that. In other words, the more we're immersed in the, these doctrines, these biblical doctrines of grace, the more dear they come to us, the more we become endeared to them, you know. Yeah, I do. Yeah. and uh, Well, let's get into this chapter 8, if it's all right with you, and just... Uh, I know one thing, focusing on the darkness, it does weigh heavy on my soul. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I've been trying to balance it with these shows by reading, you know, scripture along with what I've been mm -hmm. really reading with uh, what Edward had. By the way, I thought you did a real good job. In fact, I was, I even commented to my wife that... <clears throat> I said, you know, really, when you have some of these guests on, we don't know, and I know that this particular last guest that you had was Presbyterian, you know, and so he probably has a 
I, you know, I'm, not, I'm, probably, I'm making some assumptions, but I think that he probably has at least uh, some understanding of the sovereignty of God, you know, by being in Presbyterianism. But, you know, I want to compliment, and this isn't exalting you, but I thought you did a good job of, of pointing out, you know, Scripture and contextually explaining, you know, what it means to be in Christ, and and uh, so we're we're a witness wherever we go. Um, we're a testimony to the truth of, of God's word, and whether people hear it or not, that's 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 a God thing. That's not our responsibility, but I think it's our responsibility to when when we have an open door to share the truth. You know. Yeah. And I guess another thing is you know reading Ezekiel and parts of like a. Isaiah, and then I see what's going on in the world, and it's it's, it's it's the same story over and over and over again. And what's going on in the world with all this wickedness and abominations and idolatry and paganism? It's going to lead once again into. God's wrath and, and, and just judgment on us, and um, I, I, I can, I feel for Ezekiel and I feel for Isaiah. Not that I'm anything close to them, as far as you know, they're uh, being sons of God or you know followers of God and sons of God. Oh yeah, sons of God. I mean, they're they're believers. So, um, and in fact, we're going to read about that. In this chapter, what it means to be actually a son of God. So, but uh, you it's just it weighs heavy on you. And I can just imagine what it must have been for Ezekiel as God was revealing the visions and I mean the shocking visions of the cherubims and the wheels and God's wrath and what He plans to do to the house of Israel, the rebellious house of Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know this, all that is going on. Those of us that have been reading scriptures, we have kept, can only come to one conclusion: God's judgment is coming. And well, I don't know if it's today, tomorrow, ten years from now, but whenever it does happen, when, when God has had His fill. Uh, yeah, there's there's one uh, point I would like to make, if if I could, and that is that. The distinction between Ezekiel and the Israelites and the Israel of God, i.e. the elect children of God, uh, since the manifestation of Christ, um, is is different in that we are under the new covenant. And what I mean, and the reason I'm bringing this up, is that and I know you're going to agree with what I'm saying because, in fact, the first uh, verse will clarify <laughs> a little bit further what I'm talking about of Romans 1, right. 8, 1. But, you know, God is not into double jeopardy. In other words, he doesn't die for his elect and then pour out his wrath upon them. There's a lot of people that have that idea that... Oh, I'm not stuff. worried about you and I. I'm worried about... I just... Uh, yeah, I don't want to... 
I don't want to witness what Ezekiel and Isaiah and all these other prophets have witnessed. I don't want to. I just don't want to witness it. I don't want to be part of it. Yeah, uh, you I know what you. I mean. That's, I hear you. There's enough heartache in life as it is, and see what this is all leading to. It's just an inevitable thing that God and His righteous judgment is going to pass it. His judgment on them, and nothing but bad is going to happen for an awful lot of people, an awful lot of hurt. And you know, I'm I'm like a, a friend of mine, Chris Sterner, and you know, was telling me the other day. He says, "You know what, Larry? I don't wish, I don't wish damnation on anyone. I don't care who they are, and I don't care what they've done to me." And I agree with that. I think, you know, uh, now yes, we can look at people and say they deserve the wrath of God. But well, we all do. We, <laughs> we, we all do. That's that's the point, you know. And it's like, you know, it's like Brother uh, Jerry's wife said one time when I was down there, you know, and she said, you know, who make a thee to differ? I mean, there's a scripture that says that in Corinthians, who make a thee to differ, meaning that <clears throat> we're no different than the only difference in the reprobate and those who have experienced God's grace is that we've experienced God's grace. And it's it's... It's hard for us to, you know, when you start talking about unconditional love, unconditional election, that's that's what we're going to be talking about tonight in this study. Of course, the inevitable question is, why me, God? Mm. The more that's we right. want to adore Him and love uh, and love our Father, and and uh, well, let's get into this. So, chapter eight of Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen. <laughs> that is the answer to all of this. Christ is the answer to all that's going on. Amen. Uh, you know. But what does it mean, walk not to walk after the flesh, but walk but after the Spirit? Of course, he's going to expand upon that, but... Well, I think we are walking after the Spirit when we are minding the things of the Spirit. In other words, when we are focused on God's Word, when we're communing with communing with God in prayer, when our minds are, uh, and you know, we we cannot we cannot do any of those things. We can't pray. We can't focus on Christ or do any of that if if the Spirit doesn't so lead us, you know. And that's the most, I think, memorable times for for God's people is when we sense that His Spirit is leading us and communing with us and giving us a desire to to study His Word and that kind of thing. Yeah, there's there's nothing more precious. There's nothing more precious. And so after the flesh, you know, uh, there. If you contrast that with the world, you know, um, you look. We look around us and we see that, you know, uh, you just mentioned the Olympics, and I think that's a really good example. You know, any kind of world event or even national event like the Super Bowl. Look at Super Bowl halftime. I mean, 
these people are walking after the pagan gods are walking after the flesh and they're not minding the things of the spirit and so I, you know i think that's kind of a good comparison contrast between the two yeah well it's just like i was telling you though i feel like just hiding in christ and not even leaving my my little humble abode and just stay here because i just don't want any part of this world I don't. I mean, and I'm not saying that there's not. I don't want to be around other brothers in Christ, but the things that this world really are deprived. You know, like really today deprived. I took Mark to the fitness center down in Rogers, Arkansas. <clears throat> Rogers, Arkansas is kind of a. It's very culturally diverse. <laughs> if you know what I okay. mean. And that fitness center is very culturally diverse, you know. But, you know, we we pulled in the parking lot. I was telling Brother Jerry, we pulled in the parking lot. And I noticed a Rogers policeman in the parking lot. And I was getting ready to pull in the parking space. And I looked, and there was this, like, brand-new Toyota sitting there. And somebody had smashed the, the wind out of it. And I look next to the Toyota, and there's a brand new, uh, looked like almost a brand new, um, I think it was a Nissan, and someone smashed the window out of it. And so the police walked over to my vehicle. He says, man, brother, he says, man, can I get you to move? I go, what? He goes, oh, somebody came in the parking lot here and decided to just knock the windows out of some vehicles and take what they wanted, you know, right in broad daylight, you know. And so I backed out and moved my vehicle. And then the gal comes out in the parking lot and sees that her, you know, her, her vehicle, the, the windows smashed out of her. She broke down and just started crying. I mean, some people, you know, their their cars are their, I mean, that's that's their status symbol. I mean, that was like rocking her world, you know. But I just point that out because, yeah, you, you know, we're told to come out from the world and be separate, saith the Lord. We've talked about this, you know. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we see all these things going on. And so when I, Mark and I came out, we went in and did our workout. When we came out, another policeman had, had, I guess, nailed somebody in the parking lot that he thought was possibly a suspect and was shaking him down, you know. So right there in Rogers, Arkansas, you know. And so... I'm just glad I don't live in Rogers. I'm glad I live at the end of the world, you know, out there in the movies. But anyway, that's uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, chapter uh, uh, back to chapter eight, verse two. So we talked about you know. Once again, we'll go back to one, just because it's a wonderful verse. Uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk. Not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Um, I'll, I will continue to read, and you just say, stop, okay? <laughs> For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God's sending his own son, hallelujah, praise the Lord, 
and the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law may be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, either indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I think that's a good place to kind of do a sum, synopsis of, of this conversation. And what Paul is not saying here is that we don't still struggle with the flesh as God's people because we do. But what he is saying, what he is saying in the last part of verse 9, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. In other words, that's the distinguishing factor. The distinguishing factor is that, yes, we still struggle with the flesh, but we have the Spirit of Christ. And so how do we know this? And this gets back to, you know, knowing God or Him knowing us, <laughs> and you can't. We can't know God if He doesn't know us, and we're going to see that here in a little bit. It talks about His foreknowing us, His foreknowledge. But the Spirit of Christ uh, exemplifies uh, itself to us through many, many different things. In other words, for an example, when Michael says that he just cannot stand to be around the world and the things of the world, that is the Spirit of Christ. It has taken away his desire because I know through Michael's own testimony now, that hasn't always been the case. <laughs> okay, no. There was a time in Michael's life when he did desire to be in the flesh and and really had no interest in the in in these things. So you know, that's the carnal mind, that's the enmity against God we're talking about. And so that we've had a we see a change. We see a change in our lives, in our hearts and and it's the spirit. It's the spirit of God residing residing in us. Yeah. You just, you know, for me, it's just, I mean, the things, the things of this world are just, I don't know, I just not, I mean, I, it's not like a paranoid thing, it's nothing like that, it's just a, no. a lack a lack of desire to even be, like if someone said, Mike, uh, guess what, we got some tickets to go all the way to Rio de Janeiro and be a, in, and if everything's all expenses paid to go to the Olympics, you know what I'd say? I would say no. 
which a few years ago I probably said, oh, wow, what a great opportunity. I always wanted this one place. I always wanted to go was Brazil. And today yeah. I'm just like, you know, I like my little piece of nothing. You know, I don't even have anything. I just have a, this little apartment that God's given me and hanging out with my son and the chickens and the birds and the fish, you know what I mean? The, looking at the beautiful flowers and you know, really, I don't you know really, really what, want to do you know really what you've got there in um, in the little little place that you have you have a house church that's what you've got it's a house <laughs> church you know and you all you know and the good lord has opened doors where <clears throat> he is um, he has allowed you to sit down with I know two different people and open the Word of God. That That is the Spirit of God manifesting Himself to you that you're one of His, you know? And, uh, oh man, I'll tell you, you know, when it says here in verse 9, you're not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. You know, and that's what that's what you're saying. And, and then in verse 10 he says, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. That's why you don't have any desire to, to be involved in in the things of the world anymore. You have God has taken away that desire and he's replaced that desire with the things of his spirit, with the things of his, his kingdom. You've been translated... In the kingdom of his dear son, brother. That's what it is, you know. That's interesting. That's a very interesting insight. Oh. I know I had a Bible study with, a, with Johnny, the one of the guys, that, the one who keeps the, the, the regular. Yeah. Brother Christ that met through AA. Um, and he was talking about that, too, you know. That's good. That's that same thing, you know, that, Anyways, uh, chapter uh, verse eleven of chapter eight Romans. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. But to live after the flesh, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Um, you know that that's I. I just uh, want. What does that mean? Time. I was going to ask you. What does this mean here? First of all, eleven. Well, I, I mean, I I've often thought in the Old Testament, you know, where you have people who who fail to comply to certain laws. And, of course, we know a lot of the Old Testament laws, uh, the, je- the, the consequence was the death penalty. You know? And <clears throat> I think he's using this as an example. In other words, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying this, this can be, and I, I don't mean to take this, to an extreme, but in other words, whatever the flesh, wherever the flesh 
is dominating our lives, okay, there is a negative component to it, okay, whether whatever it's doing, you know, if it's um, over, yeah, if it's overeating. My, my thing is struggling with smoking. I know that. Yeah, yeah. So if for I, me, it's it's you know overeating, um, it, you know, and and the Lord's helping me get control of that. Uh, it, for others, it might be you know protecting too much of of wine or beer or alcohol. For others, like you said, it may be smoking. It, I know a guy that's really hooked on, and I don't know how <laughs> I like. I think this stuff is nasty, but. He's hooked on that, you know, what do you call it, the snuff or whatever, the, the chew, chew, you know. Chew. The, yeah. <laughs> and uh, whatever, you know, this is fleshly activity. I mean, it's, and so if you take it to its most extreme, it's going to cause physical maladies. And, and, and some for some people, when they, they get involved in drugs and stuff, they die. They die from it. They actually die from it. I mean... Uh, so I think that's what interesting. The, the guys, the two guys that have been that I had Bible studies with, one chews tobacco and the other one smokes, like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. I mean, it's probably like people hearing this, like, "Oh my gosh, who is this guy?" You know, it must be such a you know a disappointment to hear from how uh, uh, fleshy I am and how fallen. Uh, but I, I, but also you know. When it says quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwells in you, what does that exactly mean? Is that the spirit no, starts think, to work in you? Is it starting to work in you? I mean, this well, I, I think that, you know, I think this also alludes to um, the resurrection. In other words, it's because he goes back and he says that he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your model. Uh, mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. In other words, uh, I do believe in the resurrection. Um, and I don't understand it. <clears throat> and I, and whenever I get into the conversation about, you know, we know that whenever Christ was crucified, many, many people came up out of the graves, you know. We know that Lazarus was raised from the grave, you know. His 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 body was raised from the grave. He came forth in his grave clothes. I mean, he didn't come forth with a he didn't come forth with a glorified body. He came forth with you know, and he he was already stinking. I mean, <clears throat> and so I think that that's what it's alluding to. And I don't understand, and I will be the first to to admit this openly. And, and a lot of people uh, get upset when I say this because you know a lot of people that have these fancy names of reverence and pastors and doctors and deacons and bishops, they want everybody to think that they unquestionably know it all. You know, man, I'm not, I don't have any titles. I don't take on any title, and I'll be the first to admit there's so much I don't know. But here's the thing that's always interested me in this, and I know I'm going down a little rabbit trail, but there's a reason I'm going down it, and that is that when when Christ was on the cross, he said to the thief, you know, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. He didn't say tomorrow. He didn't say three days when I come out and bow the grave. He said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. And I think he was speaking of Judas, um, 
and I think that uh, that day he was with uh, Jesus in paradise. And so I don't understand that. There's another scripture that says in Proverbs that <clears throat> that the spirit whom God gave will return, or I'm sorry, the soul God gave will return to God who gave it to him. In other words, when we die, and, and you can talk to so and a lot of people, oh, Larry, he's going down this special revelry, all this stuff. But, you know, there's there's overwhelming evidence that there is the biggest question in science physiology is the linkage between the brain and the soul. And when the soul, when the brain is dead, when someone is brain dead, doctors will tell you that something happens, okay? And I have experienced that firsthand, and I'm not going to get into that. But the reason, I think this is what it's talking about here. I think it's alluding to this quickening of your mortal bodies by your spirit, because we know that flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says this corruption must put on incorruption, you know, and so people that say that that we're going to have we're going to have the same bodies that we have on this earth. I don't want my body. <laughs> I don't want my body. I don't want in. I want a new body. I don't want this body. I it's worn out. You know, it's sixty-two years old, and it's uh, you know there's big there's major parts of it that have issues. Okay. So anyway, that's kind of where I think that's going. Okay. Um, okay, well, I guess we're 14. Uh, no, 15. Oh, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's as I was talking about, or alluding to earlier in the beginning of the show. Um, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. <clears throat> and, which, by the way, I, I believe this. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. So, if so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And, you know, uh, I, 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 I want to go, over I little, go, go Go ahead, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to say something before you got too far down. <clears throat> um, that verse 15 by the way, is a phenomenal verse. In fact, uh, Richard Bennett, that's one of his favorite verses in the whole Bible. Um, he, he says that that verse had a huge impact upon him when God brought him out of the Roman Catholic Church um, because he was in such bondage, you know. And you notice it says, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption. Now, when it talks about adoption in the Bible, in Ephesians, he says, uh, you know, this this to me I, has a special meaning to me because I, I've, I've been around a lot of 
um, children who were up for adoption. But in Ephesians 1.5, it says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And a lot of people say, well, how can, how can we be adopted if we were elect from the foundation of the world? If he loved us eternally, how could we be adopted? Well, <clears throat> we were adopted and quickened because of the fall in Adam. You know, that, that's, that's the answer to that. But anyway, the second half of that verse, verse says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, I've heard... Um, Richard Bennett has done a whole, a whole, almost a whole message on the entitled Abba Father, and it is so good because he said <clears throat> that he found that when he was petitioning God and crying out to God to free him from the bondage of of this satanic religion that he was involved in, Roman Catholicism. He said he found in his spirit crying out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And uh, he said it wasn't long before what happened was a result in 16, that the spirit bore witness with his spirit that he was a child of God. You know, that's, <laughs> that's a miracle. Here he was a priest for 22 years, and and God delivered him, you know. Absolutely. I think that's a, uh, 16 is a very prof- profound statement, too. Or, yes. Because, uh, you know, the, the Spirit itself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. Of God. And uh, I, to this day, today I know that I'm one of God's children. Yes. I, I'm probably... You know, I'm just imagining God's, well, <laughs> well, you're one of mine, Mike, but, you know, you're pretty rough around the edges, boy, I tell you. But I'll tell you what, I, mean, I know I'm on his, which I can tell you a few years ago I didn't know. And the only reason why I know is because of this reason right here, not because of my intellect or my reason or, you know, but because of what it says here, the Spirit itself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And, and you know, there, there are a lot of old-school Baptists that, you know, they wouldn't tell you that they disbelieve this, but as they've journeyed down the path, um, I think what happens... <clears throat> Is I think, and, and I use I use the I use the example of old school Baptists, and, and it could be any of those who, are for years, been immersed in these doctrines of grace. Uh, and it's been my experience as well. You know, I've uh, been involved in, in these doctrines of grace for about nine years, ten years, really. And as I, the longer I'm in, the more I see my own utter vileness and filthiness and and proneness to sin and this battle with the flesh. But that is, 
you know, I think I, I've had I've t- had talks with some old school Baptists just today, in fact, around this very issue, and I said, you know, that doesn't minimize the fact that the Spirit is still, you know, we didn't, I didn't use this verse specifically, but I said, in other words, we, you know, the old school Baptists want to use the word hope. You know, if we're one of his, we hope we're one of his. We hope we're not deceived. In other words, we hope we we have a hope in Christ. But you know what? You can't separate out faith from hope. You know, and see, here's the thing. In Corinthians, it says, there's faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is charity. And so one of the greatest evidences we have, which I believe is involving the Spirit, is not only our love for Christ, but our love for the brethren. Love. Here abide faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of these is charity. And he goes on to say, you can have all these others, but without love, you have nothing. Nothing. And so, anyway, I didn't mean to get off, but uh, there is this preponderance to uh, among a lot of the old school. You know, I had a person recently tell me, I don't want to hear people, I don't want to get on the conversation, have everybody tell me, I want a God's elect. Well, you know, uh, because he says, I, I don't know that I'm one of God's elect, you know. Well, I, I you know, if someone comes up to me and says, Larry, are you one of God's elect? I say, well, I sure hope that I'm one of God's elect. I'm, I, I believe that he's given me the faith to believe his word. I believe that everyone for whom he died for uh, is one of his, and I, I hope that I, I believe that he, he died for me and that his, his blood is effectual for me in these things. And what I'm hearing you saying here, Michael, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this scripture is very specific. It says that his spirit is bearing witness with our spirit that we are, in fact, children of God. You know, and so I don't know how some of these people can minimize this, but it seems as though they do minimize these things, and they 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 spend a lot of time in in Hopeland, and maybe they should be spend, spending more time in in. Uh, I can even note that part of the dilemma is the flesh and the, the fact that we are the spirits also our spirit and the spirit is also letting us know that we absolutely have we are undeserving of this precious gift. That's right. That's right. It it can be confusing the two. So Well uh, this brother this brother also said, you know, he says if if you if you love me, keep my commandments and I know I don't keep his commandments you know, and so I must not love him. I mean, in other words, there's a question as to my degree of love for him. And then, of course, we can only, you know, we we can only keep his commandments as if he works in us to do that. I mean, we can on ourselves. And that gets back to imputation. And, and also it gets back to, you know, whether he is imputed our transgressions against us, like David said, he said, you know, he will not impute my transgressions to me. 
you know. And so you're right. I mean, there is this constant battle between the flesh and Paul talks about it. What I do, I don't do, and what I don't do, I do. I'm paraphrasing. But I think that there is within every one of God's little children um, one of the, I think, the greatest evidences, okay, for God's children is that we are subscribing to the teachings of Christ. And what I find with those that are not subscribing to the biblical doctrines of grace is the fact that they are adamantly opposed to these teachings. Anyway, I don't know if I make any sense or not. But anyway. Yeah, you are, you're making sense, and I think uh, <clears throat> there's a valid point in what you're saying. I just... Uh, I mean, I know I'm a child of God, and I'm undeserving to be a child of God. Yeah. And I might sound arrogant. I think there's, the, 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 I think there's also maybe this kind of struggle with them, of, of realizing how undeserving we are. And it sounds right. arrogant, just arrogant to say that. And right. I understand that people will see that, but, it, but you know. I'll be the first to say I am undeserving to be a child of God. I'm the first one. <laughs> well, and, and he didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And repentance comes from the sinner. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. He didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. But repentance comes from God, not from us. And the fact that you're saying, you know, I know that I'm an unworthy rebel, and I know that I was dead in my trespasses and sin, but I know that something happened. And anyway, I, I can relate to to what you're saying, and I think that there is, you know, there's a danger when people are in these doctrines for a real long time to automatically expect everybody else, okay, to be at the same spiritual level, if you want to call that, as they are. Um, And it's just ridiculous because, I mean, we're all in different places in our journey. You know, and I know, I've heard different people give the account of um, the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, John Newton, you know, that he he wrote Amazing Grace in his early uh, pilgrimage, and he wrote... This one of my son's favorite songs, which um, is called Am I His or Am I Not? I mean, he was questioning in his latter days of his life whether he was one of truly one of God's people or not, you know. And, and you know, he, he, I think his last words were, you know, I am a great, great sinner, but I have a great, great Savior, you know. So, but anyway, that's... And amen. Amen. That's the issue. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> I think that was... <laughs> that's great. So, uh, it's, I guess here's 17, I believe, uh, if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so, be that we suffer with him, that we may also... Glo- may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering 
of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. I have a I have a comment about that verse, you know. Uh-huh. See, I can I can really relate to that verse. You know, think about this. You, Michael Smith, myself, Larry Phillips, we were made subject to vanity. But we we didn't do it out of our free will. I mean, we were born and conceived in sin. It had nothing to do with our will. You know, like I said, I remember when I was eight years old going to my mom and saying, hey, why did you have me? I don't want to be here. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, and she said, Larry, why would you say that? I go, I don't. I didn't choose to be born in this world. Why did you have me? In other words, I was a creature there. And I was realizing that I was subject to all this stuff, even as an eight-year-old. I was subject to all this stuff, and I had nothing to do with it, you know? But look at the second part. But by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. See, that's the difference for God's elect. And that goes back to the hope thing. He subjected all of his elect to hope. You know, he hasn't subjected... Uh, see, I don't believe that <clears throat> there's people say, well, how do you know you just don't have a false hope? How do you know you're not deceived, you know? How do you know that when you die that God won't, will, come, will just say to you, I never knew you, depart from me, I never knew you, you know? Well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> he says, he says that, in the next verse, the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And so that's when I ask people that say that to me. I'll say, well, wait, do you believe that God gives his elect false assurance and then strips it from them and says to him, I never knew you and all that faith that you had in me didn't mean anything? I don't believe that. I don't believe that God is the author of confusion. And I don't believe that God is duplicitous. I believe that if God says something, we can bank on it. <laughs> okay? And I believe that's what faith is. And if we say, well, I don't, you know, I, I don't think a person can ever really know whether they're gods or not. Uh, you know... I had a person recently, oh, you know, talking about apostates. Now, that word apostate is an interesting word, but the thing of it is, there are no apostate elect. <laughs> okay? There's no apostate elect, because it, the Bible says that if it were possible, the elect would be deceived. If we're God's people, we're not deceived. Okay, anyway, I didn't mean to get off on my little rant, but I did. Right, uh, well, no, I think it's very good. You know, 19, it says, 
for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. And, um, you know, but this, but he, he tells us that we will know why? Not because of our great ability to reason or to think or to even debate or to convince another person how we know. The reason why we know is because the Spirit itself bears witness with mm-hmm. our spirit that we are the children of God. Undeservingly, it's overwhelmingly undeserving. <laughs> I will don't tell ask, you. And, don't ask me why. That's the question. If you want to, <laughs> well, why you, Mike? I don't know. See, I'm not God. Because if I was God, I wouldn't even choose me. I so. will say that my own mother, <laughs> my, my own mother, who is very much into the Armenian doctrine, uses this verse to validate her assurance, assurance of her faith. You know, but. Well, then I ask my mom, you know, and I love my mom. I mean, she's the one that brought me into this world, even though I didn't want to be here. <laughs> but she did. Uh, you know, she will say, if you ask, I'll say, you know, Norva, that's her name, N-O-R-V-A, Norva, how do you know that you're saved, for an example? And she'll say, well, because his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a the children of God. I'm one of the children of God. Well then, but when you say to her, well, if you're a child of God, wouldn't you, doesn't it seem uh, reasonable that you would embrace the teachings of Christ? Doesn't it seem reasonable that you would uphold his word? That you wouldn't adamantly deny his word? on election and predestination and and uh, the final perseverance of the saints and you know well I, you think this I think of a lot of people I don't know I want to think about myself put myself in that position in this past six months and learning about really this thing called election for the first time and wrestling with it because uh well, you know, it is a, a it is an emotional um, and intellectually challenging realization that a I am undeserving to be a child of God, and b I'm undeserving to be uh, elect God, and why me, God, when there's so many better people in this world that deserve it much more than I do. And that's where the, the crux of all this is, is that a guilt a, that has been, I believe, imposed upon us through this fallen world and through all the different uh, channels of uh, information where the public schools are, etc., even in, in the Armenian churches and etc., is that every God came for everyone, that everyone is saved. And so there's this potential of feeling arrogant or uh, elitist or having other people think that you're an elitist. But I think the more and more you, you go down this journey, you realize what's going on. It's just, I can, which I'm going to say again, and I know I said it half a dozen times already, I'm undeserving to be a child of God. Why me? 
I'm going to fall on my face and praise you, God. Thank you. Because I don't deserve you, and I don't deserve to know you. I don't even deserve to know who Jesus is. I don't deserve any of this. And yet this is this is far greater than what things I might get in this world. You know, the things of this world, you know, uh, and thank goodness God give us and take it away. He does bless. But that's not about that. You know what I mean? Uh, the oh, reassurance, yeah. the assurance of knowing that I'm a child of God, I just think of Lot. I think of Lot and go, if God loved Lot, he could love a guy like me. If he could love David. Well, one of the, one of the, <laughs> one of the uh, particular uh, <laughs> factors that would be a requirement for you to be one of God's elect would be that you were a, a great sinner. <laughs> you know, that that's one of the factors is that you know in other words uh if you if you're like a lot of people that I know they'll tell you that they remember the time when they accepted Jesus into their heart and that uh God has given them uh a ministry and I I recently heard uh Someone was telling me that um, James Robinson, who was a Southern Baptist, and he said that he had been instrumental in saving over two million souls. You know. huh. Yes, James Robinson single-handedly in his ministry has saved over two million souls. You know. <clears throat> now, see, uh, James Robinson has a great story. He was left on the. He was his his parents. He was a product of rape. That's what I understand anyway, if I have it correct. And he was left on a porch, and somebody picked him up and stuff. But see, one of the criteria to be an elect child of God is to recognize that you're a great sinner. And there's a lot of people that have never recognized their sinnership. They just accepted Jesus into their life. You know, they were they just cast the the deciding vote that they were going to allow Jesus into their heart, but they never ever came to realization of their sinnership. And if a person doesn't recognize that they are <clears throat> totally dead in their trespasses and sin, and without Christ in the world, and are 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 bound apart from the grace of God, they will be damned. Uh, they 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 cannot know God because God has not revealed their depravity to them. You know that's what happened to me. I mean, I was going along and you know I was buying into all the the Kool Aid. I was drinking the Kool Aid about self actualization and and <clears throat> how that a person can determine their own destiny by their own choices and and you know, basically can, you know, you know, people that are talking to Brother Walt about this earlier, about Jesse Ventura, you know, he says that he's an atheist, but really he he has a religion. It's worship of self. That's what it is. It's worship of self. But there's a big difference between worshiping self and worshiping the creator and redeemer of the universe. And when we see our need of a savior... You know, like Job, our hands on our mouth, and we say, 
Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the people of unclean lips. And my eyes shall see the king, and I know that my Redeemer liveth and will stand. And so <clears throat> that's what that's the distinction, I think. So I will say this to you, Mr. Brother Michael Smith. I think you meet the criteria. Uh, I mean Michael Adams. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Michael Adams, and I would say the same thing to Michael Smith. Both of you guys, you meet the criteria for being one of God's people because you both openly admit that you're a great sinner saved by grace. So. And I, I, I never, I don't understand. Say, well, I, I accepted Christ. I mean, my story is the complete polar opposite. In yeah. truth. I mean, he. I am such a re, such a rebellious soul that. I mean, he had to have all these things happen to me, and really, I mean, I don't know. All I can say is, thank God that he didn't reject me. That's all I can say. Because being who I am, I know. As shamefully as this is the truth, left to my own devices, I would reject my God. Amen. I've, in fact, the majority of my life I have. And so for mm-hmm. me to say that I have, you can take any credit in any of this, that's what it goes back to this. How can it possibly be? And, and it just brings chingle, tingles, tingles. Hopefully, it doesn't give me shingles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, shivers up and down my body, and, and this is not the thing of you know the Mormons have to say. And if you you know, I it, what I, I'm just saying, it just it blows my mind away. And not only it's not my mind, it, it's better than that. It overwhelms me. Sure. At times to think this through. And when God allows me to have clarity, a thought that even he has to give to me in those moments like right now. Because in an hour from now, I'm sure I'll forget being the, you know, in the flesh. But when I really ponder and meditate and think about it, and God allows me to think clearly, it is overwhelming. It is beyond comprehension, the fact that God loves me enough to uh, not abandon me. And, and and this world, let's face it, I mean, I can, well, I can point to the finger at the world, but I can just look at myself. Uh, I have abandoned people in my life. I've abandoned, more importantly, my own God. But somehow he didn't abandon me. That's right. And I, I, I'm and that's not what that adoption that. is all about. You know, that's one of the things that <clears throat> I experienced, you know, is a lot of it, uh, people that were up for adoption, the the parents that said they were going to adopt uh, decided for one reason or another they weren't going to adopt. But God never unadopts his people. When he says he adopts us, he's talking about an eternal adoption, and he's never, and we're going to see that, later on in this passage about how that his love is unsurpassed and is never failing. And so what happens when we 
find ourselves when we find ourselves uh, been given the faith to believe that we have been adopted into His everlasting family. When we find ourselves to believe these truths, you know, and then when someone comes along and tries to cast doubts in our mind about the assurance of these truths, they're not attacking. They're not attacking us. They're attacking the faith of God's elect. They're attacking the Word of God. That's what they're attacking. We're supposed to be building up one another in the most holy faith. We're supposed to be edifying. We're supposed to be, you know. Uh, and so I'll tell you, it 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 kind of gets under my crawl a little bit when people start trying to cast aspersions on God's elect. I don't like it. I don't like it at all, and I don't think God likes it. And you know, it's I don't know what the reasoning is behind it. It kind of reminds me of the uh, anyway. <laughs> here he says. Here he says uh, in twenty three. I want to read that. And not only they, but ourselves. I know I jumped ahead a little bit, but. Well, I was thinking have, we could all we could do a part two with this if you want. So. Yeah, we, which have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. And I'm waiting for the adoption, and I'm I'm definitely waiting for the redemption of my body. And no, I think <laughs> you're right. I think I think we need to do another part. But I. I think it's a there's so much in this eight chapter Romans. It's just yeah, there sure is, and it's a very powerful, very thought provoking. Well, at least at this moment in time in my in my mortal journey, I guess it's, it definitely is. So it's just I I for some reason I'm I'm seeing the absolute amazing. Um, real the truth. Uh, this is this is an incredibly important message. It might not you be know, for anybody there, else. And, and, it might not be for anybody else. But for me, it's like, well, you know, you can know all the things of this world, and it means nothing in the end. This means something. You know, I was talking to Brother Jerry today, and and he brought up the scripture. In fact, he it's funny because he. He was even saying he would like to do a discussion with me on Romans 8. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm going to be doing it with Michael Adams. I guess I can do it again with you. But this verse, 28, and then I want to, you know, but he, he brought this up. And, and I know that this is, this is really important. He says, and we know. He doesn't say, and we hope that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. We know, we know it, we know it, we don't hope it, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, so <clears throat> anyway, amen, there is a knowing, yeah, there is, of course, then there's the voices that uh, are they real or project in our heads is it? Well then, prove it. How do you know? <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, well, it goes back. Well, hey, wait a minute. 
My job is not to prove it to anyone else. Who That's proves right. this? Who proves That's this? Right. It's the Spirit of God that proves it to us. It's not That's right. I, I cannot prove this to you. How can I possibly? No. Yeah, that's just not my. It, I, I'm taking on, upon a role that I that I cannot take, that I cannot do. Exactly I'm being actually right. the doing re- disrespect to God by saying, "Okay, here, live," and then throwing all these verses at you. And you know, I mean, listen. If this person really wants to know the answer, then I'm sure God's going to give it to him. In his way, you're right. That's exactly <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. Okay. We, I mean, this. Yeah, yeah. We could go on and on. I mean, in the 27th verse, it says, "He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God." It's not according to the will of man. He's not praying. He's not praying for us according to the will our wills. He's praying to us according to the will of God. <laughs> you know, how could you trump that? Oh, I didn't mean to use that word, trump. I'm sorry. Well, let let me end this recording. So it's, uh, but maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe tomorrow, if you've got some time, we'll finish it up, do another part two. Because I'm enjoying this. It's very edifying. It's very edifying for me. So, you know, we could what we could do. uh, Yeah, you can go ahead and end the recording. But what we could do is we could make that a part. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.